Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Thank you for joining us today and welcome. This is an hour dedicated to understanding a little more about ourselves, our beliefs, and how we approach enlightenment. Indeed, an hour devoted to learning something more, not just about the world we live in, but about how, what, and why we think as we do. I'm Eldon Taylor, and this is Provocative Enlightenment. All right, now every week I read some of your letters as our way of paying respect to the very important role you play in making this show successful. Last week our show was all about life after death and the afterlife explorers. Loretta wrote, once again, another great show with Eldon and Michael Tim. I learned so much from these hours I spend listening in the chat room. Thank you all and keep it going. Brian wrote, wow, lots of chat created around this week's show topic. Very fun. I think there was a huge conscious shift or possibly tipping point at the turn of the last century that a lot of woo-woo things that were believed in strongly and showed predictable physical results that were just stamped out through the to, through derision, and in some cases, legal action. Somebody needs to write a book or tell me where the book is that talks about this shift. Now, that's a lot of comment out of your chat room last week. Those are two pretty positive feedback. I mean, what have you got going on in there? We just have a good group of people. They get into the subject matter, whatever's going on, yeah. You want to tell uh, tell everybody that's in the chat room to go to Michael Tim's blog because... Uh, what Brian's talking about right here is discussed by Michael at his blog. Yes, it is. It okay. is. It's always worth checking out, I guess. And if you come to the chat room, I always have the information right underneath the chat box. So you have the direct URLs to go, you know, check out all of that fabulous guests. All right. Terry wrote, I just caught the tail end of your show today about no pain and violent death. I've heard animal communicators say that when an animal knows it is going to die, its spirit leaves its body. Maybe the same for two-legged beings. Well, I suspect that's probably true. Marianne wrote, awesome show today, Eldon. Michelle wrote, thank you. I listen to you every week on Hay House Radio and have come to love your show and look forward to the next week's topic. I've been grieving the loss of my beloved Sebastian, whom you gave a shout-out on your show approximately a month back, still having a hard time and decided to peruse your website. While I am currently a graduate student and cannot afford to purchase anything, I was so happy to see the free downloads related to grief. I am going to listen beginning tonight. Keep up the amazing work. Well, thank you, Michelle, and I will use your letter to segue into reminding all of you out there that there are many free Intertalk downloadable programs offered on my site. These programs are the real deal. This is the patented technology proven in independently conducted, rigorous, double-blind scientific studies and repeatedly demonstrated effective. Now, I know there are lots of claims out there, but no one else offering a self-help program can make the statement I just made. So, you can you know, go there, you can download the programs for yourself, you can test them, you can use them. Uh, we just think of it as a part of our Pay It Forward program. So I encourage you to get yours today. Corey Lynn wrote, what a terrific site. I have been on a long and expensive journey for help and feel I may have been misled by slick salesmanship. The quality of your ebook library blew me away. I don't even know where to start. Thank you for all the great information. 
Well, you're more than welcome, Corey Lynn. And for all of you, remember, there is much more at my site than just those free MP3s. When you visit next, choose the InterTalk banner, and you'll find a host of special areas offering everything from free stress busters to a very fine e-library. Yulia, I hope I'm sailing that right, Yulia, yeah, wrote, I've just had a conversation with someone from my family, and it went well. I listened and just said, okay. In the past, I'd have exploded, and I'd be upset for days after a similar conversation. It's just that I am at the stage of my life when positive thinking, saying affirmations alone, is not enough. And it's not happening for me anyway, even though affirmations alone worked for me in the past. So I really need those InterTalk CDs at the moment, and I'm lucky to have them. InterTalk is the only thing that works for me right now in terms of feeling peaceful, in spite of all the difficult conversations and so on. Thank you. Well, thank you, Yulia. And and I hope I'm saying your name correctly, but we wish you, whether I'm saying it correctly or not, I should say and, not but, we wish you all the very best in everything. Finally, Gary wrote, I have purchased several of Eldon's books from Amazon, and they are excellent. If you want to reach your best self, you have to explore his website and get his Intertalk CDs. It's the best way to help yourself and the world. Now, I like that. That's a great comment. Thank you very much, Gary, for your feedback. And all the very best to you, sir. All right, that's all the time we're going to take for letters today. But I do invite you to opine by sending your email to Eldon at eldontaylor.com or by joining me on Facebook. I caught you, didn't I? A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you weren't listening, were you? You were in your chat room, too immersed. I could see it all we over your face. We have some amazing dreams coming up in the chat room. Yeah, it's, it's good stuff. All right, that's great, because we're going to get to that now. <laughs> now to today's show. It was to be all about a mindful nation. Unfortunately, our guest and the author of the book by the same name, Congressman Tim Ryan, is unable to make it today. He sends his apologies, and we have rescheduled him for August. So, looking through your letters and comments from prior shows, I decided to call on a friend who has been on our show before and who everyone loves. Our guest today is Dr. Jillian Holloway, and she is back to take your phone calls and discuss the meaning of your dreams, the symbolism in them, the nature of reoccurring dreams, and anything else you have dealing with dreams. Dr. Holloway holds a Ph.D. in psychology, She is a recognized expert in the field of dream dream interpretation. Her ongoing research with contemporary dream themes and modern symbolism makes her findings stimulating and pragmatically useful. She teaches classes in dream analysis and intuitive development at local colleges in Washington and Oregon. She is a veteran when it comes to the media, having appeared in more than 400 interviews, including ABC's 2020. Dr. Holloway has been involved in dream analysis for more than 20 years. I may be a bit partial here, but she is a favorite of mine, and I have enjoyed her books and guidance for using your dreams to understand emotions. She is the author of five books on dreams, including Dreaming Insights, The Complete Dream Book of Love and Relationships, Erotic Dreams, The Secret to Understanding Woman's Hidden Passion, Women's Hidden Passions. You read that one, Raph? No, not yet. Okay. The Complete Dream Book, second edition, (laughs) Discover What Your Dreams Reveal About You and Your Life, and her newest release, 
Five Steps to Decode Your Dreams, a fast, effective way to discover the meaning of your dreams. Dr. Holloway will take your calls today, so if you have a dream that you would like to have a deeper understanding of, or for that matter, if you have had a precognitive dream or other interesting dream experience you would like to share, do call in. You can do that by phoning 866-254-1579, and international callers can dial a country code then 760-918-4300. So let's get her in here. Welcome back to Provocative Enlightenment, Dr. Jillian Holloway. Hi, Alden. Hi, Ravinder. Hi, Jillian. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you. It's a real treat for me. Well, it's indeed our pleasure, and you're always you're my favorite standby, but you know that, and you're always so gracious. Last minute, I... I I called you yesterday, and you were on the mountain riding, I understand. I was, yes. That's why I didn't have a phone with me. Now, I assume this was a horse and not a motorbike. No, yep, it's it's a horse, all right. Uh, all right, then, then I wish I'd have been with you. <laughs> me uh, too. <laughs> listen, I mean, we haven't spoken in a while, and you snuck up on me on your 2011 release. You didn't send me a copy. I didn't even know it was out there till I got digging around. What else have you been up to? Oh, well, I'm, I'm sorry about that. I'll shoot you a copy anytime you'd like. Um, well, I'm researching right now, talking about provocative. I think I may have touched on this before, but I'm involved in researching dreams that seem to involve a communication from someone who is deceased. I've had people telling me these stories for decades, and I finally started to collect them and organize them so that people can have a conversation about this instead of wondering, is it possible? Am I going crazy? Is it wishful thinking? Or how do I respond to these dreams if I think I've been contacted by a loved one? So I'm trying to do what I think is the first serious research on this subject and give people some ways to uh, enjoy and appreciate those experiences without judging them or themselves. Yeah, that sounds exciting, I, and I would assume that this is going to be your next book. It uh, will be, yes. Mm-hmm. How How is it proceeding now? I mean, would you dare step out there and say yes or no, it is authentic communication, or it tends to be wishful thinking, or in the alternative, what? My feeling is, and I'm not trying to to sell anyone on on a belief. I'm trying to give you stories so that you know that you're not alone, essentially. But my feeling is I'm convinced at this point, Eldon, that a lot of these are communications. Genuine communications. Yes. Now, now, now's a good time to get this out because you're doing the research. I'd plan to ask you later, but you do something really unique. You collect dreams and data on your website. Tell everybody about that. And are you collecting information on this one now? I am. And if if anyone listening has had this kind of experience and you'd be willing to share your story with me, I'd love to discuss it with you. Um, There's contact information on my website, which is Lifetrex. I'll spell that L-I-F-E-T-R-E-K-S. Dot com, And um, I've been collecting dreams. I have a, well over 30,000 dreams. Then I categorize them in age groups and occupations and people who say they're under stress or they're not under stress and try and make some clustering of the kinds of dreams that we have when we're going through particular kinds of situations or stressors. And that's how I 
start to do interpretations. I'm not pulling these out of the air according to symbols, which, which some people like to do that. But my approach is more life-based um, rather than metaphysical or symbol-based. But it seems to work very, very well. In fact, I believe that it does. So I'm going to use that explanation to ask you, can you give us a brief overview of the five steps that you take or you encourage people to take to understand their dreams? Sure. The the five steps that I've highlighted uh, this isn't the only way to do an interpretation, but it's a very clean way. And I teach it to church groups, and I just got done teaching it at the university. The five steps are your first impression of the dream, the thing that strikes you most, just to make a note of it. Don't try and make connections right away. Just note what strikes you or what do you wake up with a certain feeling about the dream. The second thing is the overall action that happens in the dream. If you're falling off a cliff, if you're fighting for your life, if you're flying, if it was a romantic encounter, what was there? What was the action? The third point is the feeling or emotion. If there was emotion in the dream, they don't always have feeling involved. The fourth point to check on is the symbols. Was there a switchblade knife? Was your house on fire? Was there something outstanding symbolically that, that you notice in the dream? And then the last thing to check on, by this point, having checked these four things, you're starting to make a connection to your waking life. And at that point, is there a gift? The gift, I mean, is an implication of the dream. One man had a dream that his, he was driving down the freeway, hurtling at 85 miles an hour at night, but his headlights weren't on. And as he was driving, he realized, you know, there's a reason I can't see a thing. I, I forgot to put my lights on. And then he woke up. Well, the implication of that dream is what? He is racing forward in his life, but there's some fundamental sense in which he's not looking where he's going. And as soon as we discussed that, he realized exactly what it meant for him. And he was involved in a situation in business that he needed to really double-check it. And it turned out to be something he he made a a course correction and, and rethought a decision because of that dream. You know, you crystallized that so well that I just have to add, um, reading your book fleshes that out so fully and, and, and is so vital that uh, I, I can't encourage our audience uh, too much to get their hands on it and, uh, and uh, review each of these elements that uh, Julian has just discussed with us um, in, in their depth. But okay, now, we both know how bias can lead a person to see what they want to see. And so before we get to taking calls, and everyone loves to talk to you, Mm -hmm. I've got to ask you a couple of things that are, you know, the provocative questions, all right? Sure. Okay. Um, There are a few readers that have accused you, based on your Erotic Dreams book, of... uh, what, being completely heterocentric? Uh, <laughs> indeed, I think one writer wrote beyond the heteronormative. Uh, I'm going to quote that writer. This was a review of your book, Erotic Dreams, The Secret to Understanding Women's Hidden Passions. I am a woman used to identify, used, I, 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 I'm sure she meant to say 
she used to be. She used to be identified as bi and now gay, and my dream life played a huge part in figuring out who I was. Reading this book, you would think that the author never once came across a dream where a woman dreamed about being another woman. Really, she questions. So now, Julian, you know, in, in our society, you know, things have kind of changed. I mean, just today, Cooper, uh, Anderson, Cooper. Anderson Cooper, I should say, came out and and what came out, I guess, admitted that he was bi. What, what is the deal here? How would you answer her? Well, it's interesting that that was her impression because I have a huge number of gay clients. And some of the dreams that I, I think I've put in the front of the book that I've disguised some of the attributes and identifying characteristics of the dreamers to keep them anonymous while I tell the plot of the dream. So there were many gay dreams in, in that book. But I simply refer to people as partners, and it's not gender specific. So, okay, and, and you know, I, I'm gonna. I, I kind of. I mean, when I looked at the book, I gathered that, but uh, that's why I led with. I, I think we we can interpret things based on our own biases or our own fears. But with that said, let me ask you this: Would you suggest that us fellows? Uh, read the book and then check our uh, significant others for what their erotic dreams might be? Well, I think that could be very interesting, yes. You haven't um, done that research? Well, to see if, I guess I don't understand your question precisely. Okay, well, let me say it again. If if I read the mm-hmm. book correctly, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now then, if I begin to ask, say, Ravinder about her dreams, mm-hmm. so that I, I, would I, would the expectation be that I might gain insight into what her erotic fantasies were? Oh, certainly. Yes. Yeah. And not only her erotic fantasies, which of course is, is provocative, it's pretty, pretty tantalizing, but just her sort of emotional erotic mood. And that is a lot of what uh, is just depicted in our dreams, not just what we might like to have happen, but how we're feeling and how our feelings are fluctuating from time to time. Now, your significant other, does he question you about your dreams, Julian? I'm afraid he does. <laughs> he does. Ravinder, don't worry, I'm not going to tell anybody about yours. You don't have to question me, just ask me, you know. <laughs> don't have to analyze my dreams. All right, listen. <laughs> One more before we jump out there and start taking some phone right. calls. Uh, you know, there's been a special narrative about dreams for centuries. Dream interpretations date back uh, four or 5,000 B.C. I think the earliest recorded dreams were acquired from materials that did date around 5,000 B.C. in Mesopotamia. You're the expert there. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I think they were dated from some clay tablets. Perhaps when Joseph... Um, Saw the future for Egypt, uh, you know, in the dream, the idea of prophecies and dreams merged. So that said, uh, number of skeptics might look at all this precognitive and psychic dream stuff and interpret the data quite differently. Indeed, according to the Skeptic Dictionary, and I'll quote, such dreams are impressive to those who lack understanding of the law of truly large numbers, confirmation bias, and how memory works. 
If the odds are a million to one that any given dream is truly prophetic, then given the number of people on Earth and the average number of dreams people have during each sleep period, we should expect that every single day of our lives there will be more than 1.5 million dreams that seem clairvoyant. Now, close quote, you're a scientist. How do you answer assertions of this sort? Well, the... It is. It's a, it's a tricky and sticky situation to do any kind of research on. But what seems to be happening is that dreams are always preparing us for the future. There's, there's probably a biological and a survival imperative involved in our dreaming process. So there, this preparation involves a lot of correct guessing on the part of the dreaming mind and the dreaming function. So many, many of our dreams seem prophetic when, in fact, it is this future preparation function at work with, with a great deal more precision, as you know, than our conscious mind comes up with when we're thinking about things or strategizing. So that's part of this confusion because there is a lot of attribution of um, premonition when, in fact, it's, it's, a, it's a calculation on the part of the dreaming mind and a preparation. But that said, I do believe that there is a great deal of precognition going on and that that, too, is connected with our survival instincts. There's nothing spooky about it. It's, it's something that gives us an advantage, and we're only beginning to be open-minded enough and relaxed enough and logical enough to, to take a look at that. Yeah, and I guess I, I would add uh, I'm driven when I look at remarks of this nature to think of William James's comment, white crow, you know, we only need the one white crow. And uh, some of the data, some of the, the, the more interesting precognitive dreams are such that they spell out in specificity events that later occur that maybe save someone's lives that are well-documented and well-recorded and, and, and are irrefutable from that standpoint. And to me, that's the white crow. And therefore, uh, there must be something to this prophetic nature of dreams. Would you agree? Oh, very much so, yes. And even... Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that even Carl Jung, back in his day, uh, spoke quite candidly about the fact that Material is borrowed from today to be in tonight's dreams, but also material is borrowed from tomorrow, which will appear in tonight's dreams. And so he was questioning our, our assumptions about time because of what he was noticing in dreams back in his day. Right. Okay. We, we have a minute, roughly, before we go to a hard break. When we come back, we're going to do nothing but take phone calls. So I'm going to ask you one more. I'm going to be selfish. And you have about 30 seconds to answer it. Okay. Controversial question. Mm -hmm. Do you think our animal friends have prophetic or psychic dreams the same as our human beings do? Ooh, I know that they dream. And uh, certainly we have prophetic dreams about them, but I could not say if they have prophetic dreams about us. I don't see why it couldn't be possible, because I believe that they have an innate telepathic ability. You know, there are those that, of course, talk about animals taking on the diseases for their masters mm -hmm. and or doing these things, which suggests that they somehow have this this other ability. I suppose I would like to think they do. Everybody knows that I'm just an animal lover. But mm -hmm. all right, I'll accept what you say. 
and I don't know how we would go about evidencing otherwise. So the book is Five Steps to Decode Your Dreams, a fast, effective way to discover the meaning of your dreams. We're speaking with the author, Dr. Jillian Holloway, about the meaning of dreams. If you're not already in our chat room, this is a great time to join the conversation and catch the video we have of our guest. Just go to eldentaylor.com forward slash chat. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss what's coming up after these words from some of our friends. Close your eyes. Imagine your goals and dreams. What's preventing you from accomplishing them? Most often, we are our own worst enemies. I can't. I'm not good enough. It's time to reprogram that inner dialogue. Replace all those negative self-images with, I'm good. I am powerful. I can do anything. Eldon Taylor's InnerTalk patented subliminal technology does just that. Researched at numerous universities such as Stanford and by governments such as Mexico and Germany, InnerTalk has repeatedly been proven effective at changing your self-talk. Stop imagining your goals and make them a reality today. Visit www.innertalk.com. That's I-N-N-E-R-T-A-L-K.com. Innertalk.com. Do you feel like you've become lost in the funhouse? Only seeing the reflection of yourself, past, future, and present, but unable to find the real you? I invite you to step through the doorway and onto a pathway leading to understanding of your mind, your choices, and the influences that surround you. Read Eldon Taylor's New York Times bestselling book, Choices and Illusions. Now expanded, updated, and revised, it will provide you with real-life examples of how you can break free of your current perceptions and begin your journey to How High is Up. Get your copy today from all bookstores or online from Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble. Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Welcome back. If you just joined us, we're speaking with Dr. Jillian Holloway about the meaning of our dreams. But before we get back to today's show, I have a couple of points of business. I want to remind you to like our Facebook fan page for Provocative Enlightenment Radio. As a fan, you'll always know where we are and what's on next, and we have some special incentives from time to time. I would also like to invite you to join me on Facebook while you're there. One more point of business. The early registration discount for the upcoming ICANN conference in Washington, D.C. has been extended to July 7th, so you have almost a week to get registered and take advantage of the savings. This is a great opportunity to save some big bucks, so check it out. I'll be there along with many of your favorite Hay House authors, and I'd love to see you all. All right, let's get back to the show. Before the break, I promised that we would just jump in and start taking your phone calls because I hogged that whole first half hour. So let's just do that. We'll go to Cypress, Texas, and we'll talk to Jana first. Jana, welcome to Provocative Enlightenment. Thank you, Elton. Hi, Jana. Hi, Jillian. Um, this one just came totally out of the blue, even though it may be related to Red Dawn. Uh, my husband was watching Red Dawn, and... I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, but the parachutes come down from the sky, and it was my first time to see that. Mm. A few days later, I had a dream that 
there were several spacecraft, and they were extremely vivid. I've never, I don't really care for sci-fi movies mm-hmm. and any of that, but the detail was so realistic, it, it was spooky. Mm-hmm. It really rattled me, as a matter of fact, and they were blue, they were flat on the bottom, they uh, had uh, parallel lines, it was just bizarre. Mm. So this was, um, my husband leaves to go to work at 5.30, and then I go back to bed after he leaves. Okay. So it was in that period, and I dream a lot usually in that period when he leaves after work. Mm-hmm. So he jokingly said I was being abducted while he was at work. Oh, well, hopefully not. <laughs> no, I know. And then it, the dream, I woke up a few times because, because it rattled me in the urgency of, you know, needing to hide, needing to get away. And then I, it spun off into my sister just became a grandmother in real life. And and then she was the one having a baby or had a baby, and it was her baby, not her grandbaby, and I don't know how that was related. So that was all in that dream. So it, it started out with a sort of an, a sci-fi abduction scenario, and then it segued into your sister becoming a mom rather than a grandmother? Right. Okay. And how did you feel? It sounds like you were you were anxious in this dream. Is that right? Yeah, there was the, it wasn't, it was more of an urgency that we needed to do something, you know, something needed to be done, but then in the process, it was pretty relaxed and casual, too. It was, you know, she needed, we needed milk for the baby, and I put it in the microwave and cooked it too long, things, you know, just so unrelated, and and I, like I said, I had woken up at least two times and then continued back with the same dream. Oh, that's interesting. That's that, that early morning dream is often really memorable, and there is a lot of what we call the hypnagogic state, where you're moving into a state where you're almost awake and it blends with the dream state. And a lot of people report either troubling dreams or dreams that have a paranormal or a, or a really bizarre quality to them during those early morning hours. So it sounds like your, your lifestyle sets you up for that a little bit, Jana. Um, it seems to me that the important part of this dream is not the abduction red dawn flashback. That tends to be when we see something really unusual that sets in our mind, that can trigger a dream scenario. But you don't want to use the trigger as an attribution of meaning or as an interpretation. So the red dawn is not what your dream means. What your the meaningful part for you circles around your sister in the scenario with having something new, vitally important, and a whole new array of chores, responsibilities, and things that you have to plan and think about related to that new thing. And it may be that you've borrowed the scenario of your sister being a grandmother to relate to some new responsibility or situation in your own life. Oh, well, that would certainly pertain because I'm about to restart a business I did many years ago. Okay, okay. I'm, my intuition would be that that's likely where your focus is. Okay. And that if there's a gift in this dream, it is to take extraordinary care of your new baby, and I say that in quotation marks if, this is your, if it is the business, mm-hmm. take the kind of loving care and take the time and long-range planning that you would for a child. Oh. Does that yeah. make sense? Yes, absolutely. Because, you, because can't, I... you can't expect success right away. You have to really stretch it out and give yourself time. Well, that makes a lot of sense because I re- reference it as my baby. 
Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I think we're there then. All right. Well, thank you, Jillian. I really appreciate that. You're very welcome. Thanks for calling, Jana. That was fascinating. Okay. Oh, thank you. Thanks for calling, Jana. All right. Let's uh, let's go to uh, San Francisco, California, and talk to Viva. Welcome to Provocative Hi. Enlightenment, Viva. You have a question for oh. Dr. Holloway. Very glad to talk with you, Jillian. Hi, Viva. Uh, how are you? Good. Well, my dream was, it happened on June 26th, the morning of June 26th, about 7.30 a.m. And I was, um, I live in a high-rise building. In my dream, I was in a high-rise commercial work building. And in the dream, I thought about an earthquake, because I'm in San Francisco, so it's always on my mind. Mm-hmm. And um, um, I was getting a little afraid and anxious, and I imagined a friend who came with me, and we dove under a table, and I felt safe. The next part of the dream was totally symbolic. I was laying on my left side, looking out, still on the high rise, very high level. The whole wall was complete glass. And I was laying on my left side, looking out over the Pacific Ocean, which was calm and very blue in the afternoon. And I heard the sound of a fishing rod being cast over the building. And I immediately thought, oh, my brother's up there fishing. Hmm. He's a fisherman. And then two more lines were cast. And they were sort of floating in the wind a little bit, the ends, and the very ends were glinting in the sun, and there was a flock of seagulls in the distance, and I thought, those seagulls are going to think that those ends are food. And then the sun was setting a little further, and there was a white bird that was a cross between a dove and an owl, and the sun was just streaming through its outspread wings, and it was very, very beautiful. And I remember feeling... More different I've ever felt in the dream is peaceful and calm, and I felt that these symbols were to be tell me something, and I wasn't quite sure. I didn't look up all the meanings and the symbols, but um, I had wanted to talk to someone about it. Yes, this sounds like a, a very unusual dream. Is this a, uh, atypical of your normal dreaming style, Diva? Yeah, a, atypical, totally atypical. I've never have have had a dream that's just symbols. Well, you're absolutely on the right track intuitively. When you get something that seems like it's part dream and part vision, that there mm-hmm. is an important um, announcement or uh, a messaging, what the, what the shamans would call a messaging in your dream, you do want to look at the symbols, and you also want to look at the way it made you feel. So intuitively, right away, this seems like it has something positive, uh, a kind of encouragement for you, and that encouragement is coming in the background of something that's more troubling and worrisome. Yes. So, I am at the end of a, a divorce process. Okay. And, um, so I'm oh, out. okay. Well, then that that could be uh, the track that, that would be most valuable because earthquakes, even though you have a, a real-life situation where you could have an earthquake. Earthquakes often have to do, to do with the foundation of our life being unsettled. Okay. That's a common un- association. And it's as though we have to start over in some, some way. So I'm suspicious that this is an encouraging visionary messaging for you that says even though you have been dealing with something that's so fundamental that shook your world, there is something new coming that is actually going to be qualitatively quite different and quite healing and take you in another direction. So that would be my reading on this. Yeah, 
thank you for that. And that sort of jives with what I was feeling but was afraid to really feel for Yes. Maybe that could be what it meant. Yes, you don't you don't want to kid yourself and and that's good to try and stay honest, but that would be my strong suspicion here. Okay. Great. Very Thanks happy. for calling, Diva. All right, All thanks. Right, thank you so much. Bye bye. All right, let's go to Cassandra, Coarse Gold, California. Welcome, Cassandra. Thank you. I also had a very early morning dream about probably about four or five. Mm-hmm. And it's, it starts out, I was on a highway taking a road trip, and my father was driving the car. It was actually more like a van. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting in the passenger seat, and children were in the back. Um, and I believe I had dozed off and realized the car was out of control because my dad had fallen asleep. And I screamed, Dad, wake up, over and over again. Mm-hmm. But he didn't awaken. Mm-hmm. So I turned off the ignition, and thank God no one got hurt. We were on the freeway, and no one got hurt. And then um, I believe my dad was dead. Oh, my. I know. <laughs> so I was a bit disturbed. Oh, uh, yes, no yeah. question. Yeah. And, and how does this relate to your dad's real-life situation? Well, my dad, um, he, he died about three years ago. Okay. You know, about three years in August. So it's definitely about me. <laughs> okay, that makes yeah. sense. All right. Yeah. All right. Do you already have a working interpretation, Cassandra, that you want to check on, or did um, it just rattle your cage? Well, I, I have a – it was disturbing because, you know, my father was driving like he was he was in control of my vehicle of consciousness. Mm-hmm. So that was disturbing. The only thing um, that, the only positive thing was that, well, this sounds funny, but that he was dead, that he can no longer, that I, I don't know, I'll let you do it. I'm very tired. That's all right. That's all right. I just want Sometimes yeah. people already have their own truth bubbling up. Yeah, I, I mean, I have, I, I have a feelings, but it's not really, you know, hasn't okay. come forth yet. Okay. Yeah. Well, there are some some attributes of this dream that are familiar that I have seen in other themes. So I'll start mm-hmm. there. Okay. And and you are right. To have your father driving your vehicle suggests that there is something in your life that is driving your life right now, in this, at least this chapter of it, that is similar to your father. It may really be traits of your father's that you, have, that you still carry with you mm-hmm. or rules or expectations that you learned from him that you carry with you that are driving you. Or it may be someone in your life who has attributes and characteristics and an energy that is very like that of your late father. So we don't know. And I'll, yeah. leave that, I'll leave that with you. But there is something like your father that's driving this vehicle right now, and it's not in a positive way. Right. What also is familiar is that that level of consciousness, whether this is in you or in your circle or in, with another person, that, that energy is not awake to what it is doing. Right, and, and and I really feel it's me. It's no one outside okay. of me because my prayer every day is to awaken. Okay. And I do have this something that's I'm dealing with illness. It's a part of me that's mm-hmm. not coming to consciousness. And okay, yeah, yeah. So so the gift of this dream is also that you are fully capable of taking care of this situation since you do that in the dream. 
Yeah. So this is unusual, and I'll say that, that, that you diverge from the norm here, Cassandra, because when most people have an out-of-control dream, that's where the dream goes. It just yeah. ends badly. And yeah. so you intervene, which is a huge gift. That's it. And I was very calm about it, which was surprising. <laughs> yes. So, I was very calm when I turned the ignition off. So yeah. when, if and when you, go in, you approach a crisis mode, you also take with you this very, very highly functional mode that, mm-hmm. that can intervene. So yeah. there is some reassurance here. It may not seem like a reassuring dream, yeah. but it is. Yes, yes. So when if you look for something that is not yet awake in your life, look around the patterns associated with your father or that may have arisen in response to him. Mhm. Okay, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Really helpful. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, Cassandra. All right, listen, we have a question out of the chat room. It's a really good question, I think, Jillian. Mm-hmm. Richard says... Uh, Have you ever found that two people consistently shared the same dreams? My mother and grandmother are both Polish, old country ladies, and they'd be on the phone for hours talking about the similarity of their dreams. That is a fascinating question. Yes, I do notice that, and it's pretty well documented in the research. Um, Sometimes they are exactly the same, and they may be recurring dreams that are exactly the same. Um, And we notice this in family members predominantly, siblings, parents, and children, and married couples, and also significant couples that that live together. So, yes, it does happen. We don't know why it happens, Um, but if people report this, you can take them at their word. Okay. Let's go back to the phones. We have uh, Micheline in Baltimore, Maryland. Welcome to Provocative Enlightenment. You have a question for Jillian. Yes, hi. Thank you for taking my call. Oh, you're welcome. Um, Indeed. Yes, I was just wondering, um, this, uh, the first half of this year, you know, uh, from January to June, I can't remember the exact dates, but it's like I've had dreams of, like, Mark Harmon, you know, in my dream. I was, like, at a bar, and I was, like, nursing a drink, and, uh, and he just came to me out of, like, genuine concern, you know, and asked me how I was doing and, you know, and, you know, it wasn't, you know, anything provocative or anything like that. It was just like is one human being to another. Mm-hmm. And when I looked up his birth date, his birth date was like the exact date of my father. Uh, and he was born in 1951 and my father was born in 1915. Huh. <laughs> so I took it as, as it was that my, it was my father contacting me through him. And telling me, you know, just basically, just, you know, just everything's going to be fine. And then I had a a dream um, of, uh, I saw Louise Hayes' face, just as bright and vibrant as ever. And then I was in a uh, dream where I was, like, in a a room with, like, writers for Ellen DeGeneres. And uh, it's just like, and, you know, it's like I'm sitting there and they go, you want to hire me as a writer for Ellen DeGeneres? It's like, wow, you know. And uh, and then I had a dream about, like, Mitt Romney also, too. And I'm just, you know, calling to see why am I ha- keep on having these, you know, like, dreams. <laughs> Isn't that fascinating? You're having a parade of celebrities right now, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, but, well, um, well 
what I find most often, the first thing to check with celebrity dreams when, when there's an array, and they do come in clusters for some reason, is that this is often a time when the dreamer is being invited to take another look and a more serious look and a more respectful look at their own gifts. Uh, right. Not that fame and fortune is necessarily around the corner, but that all the diamonds in your life are right at your feet. Right. And, of course, we take for granted whatever we have and we're familiar with, and we dream of celebrities and project our own giftedness onto them. But the dreaming mind haunts us with celebrities sometimes when it's an invitation to take a more serious look at our own abilities. Well, I do I do comedy writing stuff. And okay. I, and, uh, I mean, that's that's real, you know. Okay. And uh, it's, it's just like, but I, I want more acclaim for it, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I do satire. I do a political satire column. And, uh, you know, and I just feel stuck where I am in, you know, the area because I know that I have to be out in, you know, the, the L.A. area, you know, or in California area. Okay. And I haven't made been able to make that transition, although I'm working on it. And I'm just wondering if these, like, are precognitions or, or what? Well, it's it's very possible. I, I think of it more as an invitation to a possible reality. You know, mm-hmm. we have probable futures ahead of us. And when they have to do with things that are in tune with our abilities and in tune with the, the mission that we have in life, the dreaming mind tries to pull us a little bit or at least invite us in that direction. So I don't know that I'd call them precognitive, but I would definitely call them an invitation. The other thing that's coming to me as we're chatting is that in terms of moving to another area, you might want to think of also expanding the target that you're using, that you're focusing on with your writing. You may have other genres inside that are percolating around that you ignore because you self-identify as a certain kind of comedy writer. But there's probably more because these celebrities are very, very diverse personalities and very diverse experts. So you probably have more diversity in you, too. Oh, I have a ton of diversity. <laughs> okay, okay. So that's, yeah, that's just a suggestion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's 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 basically. I mean, you know, because I remember I lived in San Francisco in the '80s, and I remember Ellen DeGeneres used to do like open mics in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, and I like she does very clean humor, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it's 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 just like, but I mean, I you know, I. I you know, I'm, I'm produced playwright. You know, and most all my stuff has been actually produced out in California, I and see. so it's it's just like you know, no, no, I don't know. It, it it's just like I don't know why they, they these dreams just keep on coming. You know? Well, you know what? You, if you don't do it already, you're a writer. So go right. ahead and uh, get oh, no, some. I kind, am a writer. Yeah. Get some kind of a journal and write these down, and then give it a week or two and go back to the to the dream as though it were a story and look at the, the movie of the dream and say, well, what's the invitation here? What's the implication? And if you mm-hmm. do that, they, ha- they seem to crystallize. The message crystallizes, and it will pop out at you more effectively. Okay. Yeah. All right? All right. Yeah. Thanks for calling. Thanks for calling, Micheline. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. All right, let's see if we can't squeeze one more call in very fast. Uh, let's go to Karen in Lake Tahoe. Welcome to Provocative Enlightenment. Karen, you have a question. Um, hi, thank you, Eldon, for hi. taking my call. Hi, Julian. Um, yeah, I had a couple of questions. Um, I, uh, for as long since I was a little girl, I would have the reoccurring dream of a tidal wave. Mm-hmm. And I don't live on an island. Uh, I, I live near a large lake, <laughs> mm-hmm. but um, and I was never 
even though the the, the wave hit the shore, um, I never remember anyone dying. And but I do remember, you know, like floating in the water and and surviving the tidal wave. But um, so you know, that was just kind of a curiosity why that would be a reoccurring dream for many years ongoing. Um, I mean, not on a regular basis, but just a dream that I had, you know, yes. um, more than once, and um, actually several times. Mm-hmm. And then the, my other curiosity is that I lost my husband 16 years ago, mm-hmm. and I can probably name on one hand the number of times that I have dreamt about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same with my, my mother and father uh, who, are, who have passed mm-hmm. and, and w- wondering, you know, I mean, why I don't dream about them. Is it some kind of an emotional block that uh, I, I'm trying to, uh, you know, to subside uh, or, or trying to escape any kind of pain or, or suffering from, from those losses? So I mean this tidal wave thing, and then <laughs> and then not dreaming about the people who are closest to me, like ever. Yes. All right, quickly. We have about one minute. Oh gosh. Well, it just my recommendation is that you pray or meditate before going to sleep if you want to dream of if you want to try and dream about a loved one. Often that seems to set up some kind of connection or invitation, but we really can't summon them. You know, after they've passed, people are doing other things. They have other assignments and other jobs to do, and we really just can't call them back mm-hmm. when we want to. So try and just connect with them in your own mind mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, wish them well, pray for them. And if they can, they will come back in a dream. But it's, mm-hmm. it's not always possible, even when they would like to or even when we would like to. Okay. And as to the tidal wave, that's a very common childhood dream. That's a very common recurring dream. And it seems to set the stage for emotional onslaughts of one kind or another that it prepares Hey, Dr. Holloway, I'm going to have to stop because we're just out of time. Okay. Um, Okay. Karen, please check out her website. Thank you. Reach out to Jillian. She'll answer you. Uh, her website is lifetreks, L-I-F-E-T-R-E-K-S dot com. Okay, and thank you. Thank you for calling. And Jillian, it's been wonderful to have you here. You know, we could do this for hours. I thank you very much. You're welcome. And I want to thank all of you for joining us today. Uh, and I hope you enjoyed our show. And we'll join us again same time, same place next week. And if you have comments on our show, do let us all know. Okay, until next time, wherever you are in the world, remember, believing in yourself always matters.